and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. The Prem has returned this weekend and we have returned to Monday nights. And it's back and it's live. And it's live. Wow. Someone's happy. Someone's happy. We're too famous nowadays. We actually are. Hint, hint, the FPL League. <gasps> Fuck. Wow. 52 people in it. Shout out Jordy, who's top of the league. On week one. Well, should we do weekly shout outs for whoever's going to Only if I know him. Alright, fair No, enough. anyone. Yeah, I do. No, because the lad who's in second, I was like, his name is. I know His name is like, hashtag LFC, you never walk alone, family. <laughs> no, hashtag Clubbers. Hashtag South Africa. <gasps> <gasps> Fucking yes. Shout out to you, our South African bro. Yeah. Please get in touch with the page so we know who you are. <laughs> yes, because you currently Jordy is beating him, so yes. Yeah, so currently it's yeah. His name actually is Klopp's Red Army hashtag Liverpool South Africa Y N W A. In third, Brody Ashall as well. Respect. Rainford, Rainford rejects. rejects. He's not from Rainford though. Nah, I don't know what that is. No. Newton rejects perhaps because no, I don't know what that is. Don't know what that is. Where's that? Newton upon Abbott. No, yeah, Newton Abbott. Newton Eve. Newton Eve. Newton. Isaac. Isaac. Ah! <laughs> Ginger won't be told. Shit. Right, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it out of the fridge. <laughs> uh, so, Cook, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, Who are we going to talk about first? We're going to talk about Fulham because we could say, arguably, although Stan, United did lose, this was probably the biggest scalp of the weekend, you could say. Definitely. Almost the scalp of the season, really. Mm. If it was a win, that was up there with the shock result of the season. Yeah. We're going to talk about Fulham, first and foremost. And we're going to talk about Trent (laughs) Alexander-Arnold. Okay. New season, same trend, it seems. Switching off at the back post. Yeah. It's not one of his worst ones, because... The I will give it to him. Was Mitro just keeps up? He's a big lad, but yeah, yeah. I don't right. think he knows he's right. even there. All There's one common denominator. No, no, no. I, I don't even think Trent knows he's there. I think I he's don't. just gonna clip at that out for a corner. I don't think he has a clue. And also Van Dyke. I mean, two competitive games uh, showed his ass to Valverde and showed his ass to Mitrovic cut with a clear penalty. Great decision. No, I thought it was. It was a pen. It yeah, no, a, it was. It was a pen. Like hundred percent, it was. But. <laughs> It's just Van Dyke a bit rust on the wheels. That's all you can really say. But no, say. Fulham, I mean, I saw that team. I thought it would be 4-5-0 to Liverpool comfortably. And uh, to be fair, Liverpool, you know, Klopp came out after the game and amongst other excuses, he did say that the attitude and the mentality wasn't right, which you could you could see it wasn't first 15 minutes. And it has to be in these big games, you know, that first weekend juice for these promoted teams, the buzzing on adrenaline and I kind of uh, looked past that for Fulham and they were fully deserving of... Of the draw, if not three points, so yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, before we get on to Fulham Cooks, you think um, one thing that Klopp did definitely get wrong in this game was that he he started Firmino over Nunes because Firmino Nunes just changed the game entirely off the bench. And we know we said last week about Fulham's lack of centre backs, they only had two on the pitch on the weekend, and that's pretty much all they've got. Now they're linked with uh, it's the opposite from West Ham. Yeah, he's signed today. Um, he's signed today, is he? But as soon as Nunes came on and as soon as Salah joined him up front and they went to more of a 4-2-4 kind of formation, it just looked like they was causing so many more problems. They wasn't even being that good. Nunes was almost accidentally doing really good things in the box just by being there and causing a threat. Yeah, like, well, that price tag in and of itself causes a threat. Centre-backs often that. Jesus, he's, like, especially Fulham centre-backs here. Tim Ream and Adebayo, literally, oh, he cost £80 million. Jesus. Like, how, how good is he? Like, they've probably not seen a lot of him from what they've seen in play in the Community Shield and stuff like that. And, like I said, the price tag in and of itself 
carries a threat and Firmino was attracted to the ball obviously as a false nine so he comes short mm. whereas Nunes carries the threat of running in behind and like I said look who he's running in behind against and he tried that flick just before he actually scored yeah. a couple of minutes later it came off but he's just a completely different player to Firmino and I thought that was a massive mistake obviously with hindsight with Klopp and when I seen the team I was like Klopp's been a little bit sentimental there for, for me you know with Firmino because Nunes there's five subs. If you even want to give him an hour, give him an hour. There's five, like I said, there's five subs, and I just think, especially after his performance against City, probably just leaving the handbrake on a little bit too long because you could have, you could have potentially got three points. Yeah. yeah, he's come on and scored twice, hasn't he? I just think he's, he's a he's a proper striker. You can tell by his physique and the areas in the box that he, he takes up. Um, I mean, some of his touches are a bit questionable, but um, yeah. just his presence will, will cause an issue for defences. And, and like I said last week, I think the way that Liverpool play, I don't think they actually changed uh, when Nunes or Darwin or whatever you say came on. Uh, it just so happened that somebody was there in those positions that Trent, Robertson, etc. were putting the ball into, whereas Firmino was too busy jogging on the edge of the box or whatever he was trying to... You know, as the defensive forward than he is, so uh, Darwin will definitely start next week. I, I can't see any way that that Firmino starts next week. Yeah, and um, and back to Fulham, Luke. Who who impressed you out of this Fulham side really? Because um, Paulinho made his his debut, his Premier League debut, and he was really good in midfield. Obviously, Mitrovic got the two goals. Former United player, and just Pereira looked pretty good. And and pick of them or anybody else that I've missed out? No, Polina. He was he was my. I think was he my match in the end or was it Mitro? I think it might. I think Mitro would have got it. Yeah. But yeah. Shout out to Polina just because he. That's what he's been bought to do. I'm not pretending like I know a lot about him. First time I've ever seen him play. Broke up play really well, and he's he's apparently that's what he does and that's what the commentator alluded to that there his strengths are and he did that really well and I just think that Mitro good way to get off the mark, a header which is his bread and butter. You'd expect him to obviously win that header against Trent. Maybe not score because it's quite a tight angle, but obviously credit there. And then a penny is a really nice way to get him going for the season. So two goals straight away. It's just about consistency with him because I do I do like him. I just think this is the year now where people are like, they're almost fed up with him where you're like, are you a championship player or are you a prem player here? Because you've you've had chances at Newcastle, you've had chances at Fulham, but yeah, them two, Defo, Mitro and Paulinho, yeah, hundred percent. What about you, Stan? Yeah, I'd agree. I thought Paulinho did really well. I mean, I'd I'd only ever seen him in the Champions League. I think was it Sporting had Ajax and Dortmund in the group last year, so I did see a few of them just when I was flicking through games, and he was one of the best players on the pitch. I think, I think I also saw after the group stages. I think he'd made the most tackles and interceptions out of anyone, which you know for Lisbon is 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 really good considering I don't actually think they went through in the groups in the end. Um, I think he was captain of Lisbon as well, so he's got that personality, that mentality that, that you know, a team in the relegation, uh, you know, in a relegation battle, which they will be, uh, that's what they need in the middle of the pitch. And then, yeah, I was really impressed with his with his debut for twenty odd million. And uh, Andreas Pereira, I was really impressed with Fulham overall. To be fair, I thought they looked really hungry. Like I say, whether that's adrenaline or whether we've just underestimated them, because like a. I said before, I, I looked at that team and I thought that this could be an FA Cup game where Fulham are mid-table in the Championship with, with the team that they put out, but fair play to them. Uh, you know They got a really good result and I think on another day they end up winning that game. Well, we've spoken about Fulham there, so it's only right to speak about one of the other newly promoted boys in Bournemouth. Stan, we'll start with you. Steven Gerrard, I saw all over social media now, has the same win record as Gary Neville <coughs> at Valencia now 
I'm Ralph Randnick at Manchester United. Really? I didn't know yeah. that one. But two great gaffers. Yeah, two two one guy learning on the job and one guy who's probably gonna die on the job. Yeah. <laughs> you Hopefully. Whoa, there's no need for that. You think I'd say that about Gus Hiddink? No I wouldn't. No you wouldn't. No I wouldn't. He was good. Come back, Gus. Gus <laughs> <laughs> United. Ten I go. But no, Bournemouth did beat Aston Villa. Surprising with this one, Stan, due to Ollie Watkins getting dropped for this one. Leon Bailey playing through the middle. Bit of a weird one from Stevie G this. Yeah, I think Villa have got a very good team, but um they're just the sum of its parts is, is lesser than the individuals, if you get what I mean. I think if you look at that team on paper, um, you know, they brought in Kamara there, Diego Carlos, they spent 30, 40 million on. Dina and Cash is a, a very good fullback pair. Emmy Martinez in net's a good keeper. John McGinn, Danny Ings to score goal. Coutinho adds a bit of pizzazz there, a bit of je ne sais quoi. Yeah. But as a unit, they're just not there, and that ultimately comes down to the manager, I think. And. Uh, you know, like I say, with Gerard's record, is is he good enough? I don't know, but I think with the amount of money that that Villa have spent, even under Gerard alone, he's only been there six months. I mean, they bought Dina in January. They bought, like I say, Diego Carlos. They bought Coutinho in. Uh, I'm probably missing somebody else as well that they brought in. Um, Kamara was on a free, but um, you know, the bodies that they brought in are bodies that now Villa will probably be looking to be pushing towards that Europa Conference League position. Like I say, with those names that. That I've just read out, and and you know again, two 0 loss at Bournemouth. Maybe you've got that first game of the season juice. Bournemouth at home, like Fulham, newly promoted side, absolutely buzzing. I think that they go one 0 up within the first five minutes, and that is a recipe for disaster as a team away at um, away at a newly promoted side on the first game of the season because the fans are going to push you through it and push them through it. They did, and they ended up winning two 0 with Kiefer Moore, who I didn't realise was there, but another guy like Polina. Another guy like Polino, and whenever I've seen him, has been really effective and looked really comfortable. So, uh, yeah. could be very key for Bournemouth this season if they are to, to get any wins, you know, set pieces, things like that. It'll Definitely. be a nightmare for most centre halves. Definitely, and for anyone who doesn't know about Kiefer Moore, he's a big target man striker who uses his body very effectively. So. He's been in the Oros, hasn't he, for Wales? Yeah, for Wales so, yeah. Yeah. so, he's, he's definitely a, a weapon for Bournemouth there. And I thought, watching the highlights back for this, because I didn't watch this game live. Coutinho's got to be doing more in in these type of games. Like this is why this is why you buy someone like him because it's Bournemouth, and with all due respect to Villa, they don't want to be dragged into a relegation scrap. And if they do end up being up there, uh, sorry, down there, then this could be an early six six point of this, couldn't it, Jim? Yeah, you're definitely right about Coutinho. Um, I mean, we kind of knew this about him before he signed. It was a great sign for Villa in the fact that they got him fifty million euros or whatever it was. It was and, it, and it's Villa, really, it, so. and it's Villa, yeah. But at the end of the day, we've seen Coutinho go wide in a lot in games, and yeah. Villa maybe would have hoped that he would have got a Liverpool version of Coutinho, especially with Gerard managing him, who played with him at Liverpool during that time during his peak performances. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if they have yeah. really. They've had a few inspiring moments from Coutinho here and there. Um, Obviously, he had a goal against City in last game of the season. So he played well against United in that they game. Do, yeah, yeah. But really, Coutinho hasn't lit up the Premier League like at all. Um, I think the name carries a lot of, a lot yeah. of weight when you think about Coutinho and Villa. Um, especially when they've got really talented players on the bench. Because Coutinho, it could be a really big problem for Villa if he doesn't start performing. Because they have to leave when they're on the bench. Ollie um, Watkins. Ollie well, Watkins. Because yeah. they've tried playing with both Wendy and Coutinho. And the two similar players that they just leave themselves with no pace, no natural goal scorer. 
and that's why, like you mentioned at the start of this, um, that Leon Bailey played through the middle because he is the one that gets in behind and um, can finish him. He got a lot of goals for Leverkusen before he signed. Again, another player who really highly rated. It seems like a lot of these Villa players are, on paper, really, really good signings, really highly rated. Villa get him at really good prices and... I've yet, yet, yeah, I've yet to see him impress on the pitch. It looks like Gerard's doing everything right off the pitch and come match day, he doesn't know what his best team is and he's not tactically flexible <coughs> enough to win games yet. Villa have got two wins in the last 12 games. Well, and that was against Norwich think, and Burnley. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you then. Obviously, predominantly since he's been a manager, he's managed at Rangers and Villa and he's played that 4-3-3. Maybe it's the time for a shift in formation for Gerard and a shift in system because in this game, Coutinho played wide and... I think anyone can tell you, Coutinho's a 10, he's not a winger, and obviously as he gets older, that's going to become less and less apparent that he is a winger, so yeah. I, So maybe, I know, I know obviously it's a bit of a cliche with me, but if they potentially did go to a back three and adopted attacking midfielders with one I up think, front, or even just play with attacking midfielders. I think that comes down to whether, does Gerard want to build his team around Coutinho, does he want to build it around his yeah. man? I mean, well, it's what he's got now, Jim's, isn't it? Well, it, it is true. Wendy is a similar kind of player, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, yeah. would you rather go with Wendy, who I think is five or six years younger? You've got Jacob Ramsey there, who's a lad who came through the academy. Uh, like I said, you've got Kamara and McGinn, that's your pivot if you choose to yeah, play you, you, you could, they could switch to a 4-2-3-1, maybe, but is that going to make much difference? I think the issue with Villa is, is like I say, they're just not there as a unit, and yeah. I don't think moving one midfielder 10 yards further up the pitch and creating a pivot is going to change too much for them. I, I, no, it's not. I don't really know what the issue is, to be honest, because, like, well, I do. I, th- I don't think Gerard's up to it. I mean, you, you well, see, he's learning on the job, and it's he's, very he's le- similar. He's learning on the job, but he should still be doing better. Do you get what, do you get what I mean? I think this this is a good Villa side, and... They shouldn't be. They shouldn't have had the last six months as he did. With like two wins in the last twelve. Yeah, there was a two all day n- one there. A two nil win a game away at Bournemouth. I mean, they were on all day, but they've started the season and they still look like. And then they showed up for the Liverpool's Cup final against City, didn't they, Jim? They did, yeah. But yeah. I mean, like you said, it was an all day, but and really, that, that, that that's quite inexcusable, really. Jared's learning on the job and just he's happy. He play, he play isn't happy, is he? Obviously, yeah. I'm not going to suggest that. But if his team are just not performing and not even going to. It just seems like he's not learned anything yet. We still know his best teams. I've said it again. Um, sure. I don't think it's a good thing when you can't predict a team. I don't think you should be so predictable where your team's the same every single week. But next week, that front three could be a com- three different players. They could play Buendia, Watkins, and yeah. somebody else. And you wouldn't even bat an eyelid. But, I mean, for the players to get some consistency. Yeah, you want eight and nine players locked in. And don't you don't really play, do you? All the good teams, you kind of know what the systems and like how they're going to score, like what the threats are and... Were they going to be on the pitch with Villa? It seems to be. I don't know what you're going to get this week. And um, yeah, Bournemouth took advantage of it. And with the big men, Solanke and Moore, definitely, definitely there'll be two players they're relying on this season because, like Parker said himself, the quality isn't there. Right, listeners, welcome back to the pod. Get your betting apps at the ready because it is the time where I can tell you a winning bet for the weekend so you can feed your pig over half. So, we're going to start off in the early at Villa Park, Aston Villa versus Everton. We've spoken about Gerard's lacklustre performance and Everton's strikerless performance. So, obviously, in this one, we're going to go under 2.5 goals for the early kickoff. Stand for that one. Then, we're going to go to the Emirates. Arsenal are going to beat Leicester. I think they nearly bottled it in the at the weekend. They were two 0 up, finished two all. But uh, sorry, Brentford. 
had a goal ruled out right at the end, so they arguably could have lost that one at home. I think Arsenal just going to shift the gears in that one. Then we're going to go to Man City, Jim. Your boys, <laughs> City versus Bournemouth at the Etihad. We're going to go Man City to win to nil and over three and a half goals in that one at the Etihad, Jim. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, I think Erling will get his first Hattie in this one as well. If you I'll want captain that. on fantasy then. Oh, you should, because I captain Trent this weekend and it let me down. No, I won't. Well, <laughs> I thought, well, no, we're not getting into that. And then last, but by no means least, again, spoken about it on the pod when Jordy was on the other week, lacklustre Southampton. I'm back in Leeds United at 11-5 to win away at Southampton. So just to recap the bet of the week, Villa-Everton in the early, under 2.5 goals. Arsenal just to beat Leicester at the Emirates. Man City to win to nil and over 3.5 goals in that one. And then, again, last but not least, Leeds United to beat Southampton away in that one. And Jim, you've got a bet... That I yes. don't condone. You I don't personally no, don't, don't so, condone yeah, this. I am sorry, I apologise, but I must beat the bookies. I mean, we're not here to make friends, we're here to make money. For, I, um, I, this yeah. is per fan request of come this lock of the week. Um, since last week, I didn't have to say on the pod, but my bear of the week was Everton and Chelsea to be under 2.5 goals because Everton literally don't have one goal scorer and Chelsea, we, the, the learning, the, the, the developing, they'll be better. Uh, but this week, we're going to bet on another Chelsea game because it's worked out last week. And I have gone for Spurs to win at the Bridge Cup. I am sorry. I do apologise. Best prize, 12-5. to 5. I just think the Spuds are a bit ahead of the second at the minute. Mm. Again, listeners, I do not condone this <laughs> bet. And I, and I said, if any of you put this on, you're all dead <coughs> to me. And, that's, and I could not be more serious. <laughs> We're not even doing the shove it up your thing either. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the podcast. We're going to go straight into it, straight up to the northeast, and we're going to go up to Newcastle, Toon Toon. And they beat Newcastle. They beat. uh, They didn't beat Newcastle. They nearly beat themselves. They nearly did. They beat Notts. Sorry, not Notts. Nottingham Forest, two nil. Fabian Schauer and Wilson with two second half goals. But it was Bruno Gumarish, or Gumarish, however you pronounce it. He ran the game. Most dribbles, most passes, most key passes, and the third most tackles in the game. I mean, how important is Bruno to this Newcastle side, Jim? Uh, yes, very important. Um, I would go to say the best player. Um, <gasps> by some distance, I think, out of that team, you look at Newcastle's team, you think which one of these could play Champions League football tomorrow? Bruno well, is did, Jim. my pick. Well, yeah, exactly. So he well, there you go. It's Leon. try and test yes, it. Correct, Stan. Yeah, he was brilliant. I mean, and it shows, the Shearer was talking about him match the day, and he he literally did. He just ran the game. He was dictating it. He was he was just passing it around the not the Forest midfield. He was running in behind. Maybe he wasn't finding him, but yeah, what a player he is. Um, definitely a definitely a smart acquisition from Newcastle, and overall the team performance. And I know it's Forest. Um, so maybe I wouldn't have been so impressed, but I mean, on the same day, Bournemouth get a win and Fulham shock Liverpool, so it's still a good win in the Premier League, and it was very one-sided, maybe one of the most one-sided games of the weekend, um, definitely was of that Saturday, I thought, and yeah, um, Callum Wilson scores Cook, um, a really tidy finish, and how important is, he, is, it, is it that he stays fit this season? Well, yeah, it's, for Newcastle fans, it's vitally important he stays fit because then Chris Wood doesn't have to play football for you because he was 
definitely a panic sign in, in January last last window and Wilson's head and shoulders better than him. He's top striker. I think if he could literally play 38 games a season, he'd be at a much better club. No offence to Newcastle. I feel like he could play European football in one capacity or another, even if that's as a second striker. But I feel like he could. Like I said, it's a fitness issue with him. It's never been about... Wilson's a bottler in front of goal because it's, it's just not and you saw that with his finish at the weekend got across his mind at the front post and just a dirty finish that's all I really can say about it it was a dirty finish and a striker's finish and that's what they need and literally just wrap him in cotton wool don't play him in any unnecessary games or for any unnecessary minutes because he's going to be massive for Newcastle and like Jim said Gimresh is just quality really good player and like I said you just got to keep that core of their team fit where they've got Nick Pope now between the sticks. Botman came on literally for the last kick of the ball in this game, but he's going to be the spine. They've got ASM, they've got Gimaresh. They now need to keep Wilson Joel fit. Linton. So, yeah, Joel Linton, yeah. Linton. Yeah, yeah, Joel Linton, 100%. Credit where credit's due. He's, he's running the midfield and he looks a completely different player. And I just think that's credit to himself and credit to his new manager that he's, he's playing that well. And they need to, again, keep this close knit band of players together because they're the ones who are turning up week in week out from currently but we've just spoken about Newcastle United in the North East we're going to the North West now Jim yes your boys based in the North West but this one was actually in the East End this one West Ham City beat West Ham 2-0 away at the London Stadium comfortably the worst stadium in the league Erling Haaland with a brace only could have really got better with a hat-trick this couldn't it because he played sick yeah he was brilliant I mean we spoke last week and I think everybody in the media spoke after the Community Shield game that um, how long will it take? We know how good he is. How long will it take though for City players to start seeing his runs? And um, I don't think we still haven't seen that in to its full effect. There's still a few runs that Fields could have clipped over the top of. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a scary, scary message for the rest of the league and potentially the rest of Europe. Really, I mean, City have just added another another string to the bow when it comes to their attack. Um, a weapon that they didn't have last season a quick man who can run in behind and there's no doubt about but the second goal was just something that I think we'll see time and time again this season um, a team pushing high trying to chase an equaliser De Bruyne putting a perfectly weighted ball in behind and Harlan just finishing it there was, like I said there was no doubt that he was missing that scoring that chance I mean I know we've missed we're going to miss Jesus and Sterling this season but if either of them are going clean through in that situation, I'm not 100% confident that's going in. But with Harland, the way he moved around the ball and positioned himself, opened up his body, uh, Neville said it in commentary, it really was Henri like. Um, yeah, it was. The, the way he arced around. And yeah, he used to love that finish. And Henri, again, was a player who was just so much quicker than everyone. He could he could do that. And something that Harland has said after the game and even before the game, that he prides himself on never being caught offside. And I think the way he's built and the athleticism that he has, that definitely helps because he can afford to give himself that extra yard. And His first three or four steps, um, he had an header right at the end for the hat-trick. Um, I think Grealish crossed into him and he yeah, put it yeah, over. Yeah. He probably should have put it on target, to be fair. And I think if he did, he would have been a hat-trick. But his first three or four steps to get in front of, um, I think it was Ben Johnson at the front post to score, to have the header, it's just it's not defendable for me. He really isn't defendable. That's, it's just, that's how good he is. It was really exciting. I mean... I saw him like I'm getting carried away, but he could score 40, 50 goals this season. He genuinely could. 
Yeah, he could, and obviously the amount of chances you create, and there's a reason why City have been screaming for a number nine for so long. There's a reason, Stan, why they were linked to Harry Kane so long, and they finally got the nine, and this, obviously, iron sharpens iron, and this inevitably makes everyone else in the league go, all right, City have won the league, they've retained the league the last two years in a row, is that right? And they're still getting better. So, like I said, iron sharpens iron, but from Harlan, Stan, are you buzzing with what you've seen in terms of the talent? Um, yeah, obviously, I don't think you can um, you can doubt what what he's going to bring to the city side. I think the only thing you could doubt is is how long it might take for city to city players to see him after after going so long without a a recognised number nine or at least one that plays in the way that Harlan does. Because I mean, Aguero even in the last year or two of his city career, what you know at the beginning he was he'd make those types of runs, but he, he became a little bit cleverer, a bit more of a fox in the box. Uh, in, in, in his latter years at City so the, it's been probably three or four years since he have had a striker like this who, who who's going to make these runs and probably the first time for some of these players that have had a striker at all I mean Foden, Grealish they've not played with the striker since they came through at City so um, yeah it's going gonna, it's gonna to be big for them I mean uh, Rooney compared him to uh, Van Nistelrooy so you can't really get much better than that in terms of a comparison for for a debut and uh, for a striker, so yeah, he's he's got everything, and I think the the most important thing I actually think it brings to City is is now that I, I do think they've they've been vulnerable in the last few seasons with the counter attack in terms of getting countered, mm. but now what they've got is if a team tries to counter them and City win the ball back, Harlan can go the other way, which they haven't had in the last two we, years. We we we've never been we've been awful at counter attacks for. For the Pepe, really, it's not something we do, though, to be fair. We're never in them situations. But, yeah, you're right. That second goal was... West Ham were in the ascendancy, really. They, was, they, they came out in the second half much better. The first half, I think they made something like 40 complete, total passes. Um, but in the second half, they started asking questions. And then City can pass it out once. And it just takes two or three passes, hands in behind. Um, and that can help even better in the bigger games. Against, like, a Liverpool, um, they put a really high line against us last season I'd be surprised to see if they do that again this season with our new threat and in the Champions League against Real Madrid the amount of chances we had and the amount of spacing behind we had I think that can kill them sort of games um, yeah just a really exciting start to see and quite interesting to how they lined up as well with the fullbacks playing the centre midfield almost um, yeah Fort Walker was quite central yeah it, it could potentially solve a, um, a situation where we've obviously missed out on Mark Cucurella um if they're going to play in the way they did at the London Stadium on the weekend, then then maybe we can find another player or get a midfielder to play that left-back um, position because he really wasn't playing left-back. He was a centre midfielder in possession. Yeah. And City had 80% of centre possession. And speaking of um, a beast that was born in Leeds, um, we're going to speak about a team that was... Born in Leeds. In Leeds, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, they came down. They came back from 1-0 down to beat Wolverhampton thanks to goals from Rodrigo. And yes, I'm giving the goal to Brendan Arrington because he is... We are fans of him, of the pod, being um, across the pond, Cook. Fuck hey, Nori. Wasn't a goal at so... An own goal at, I should I say. Brendan Arrington was one of the players who were brilliant for Leeds, Cook. And this was a really good win, really, for a team that... We'll be right down there at the end of the season to start the season off with three points against a good side. Yeah. Very promising. I don't want to say I told you so, but I also don't want to speak too early, but Tyler Adams and Brandon Harrison were both really good in this game. And 
I know you can say it's only Wolves, but Wolves are a very efficient side who know how to play, and they're a very a team that's been together for a number of years. They've recently added, and in the last couple of days, Gonzalo Guedes from Valencia as well, which I think's a really good signing for them. It's he's he's had enough of Gattuso already. It's on brand, isn't it? It it's is Portuguese. Oh yeah, it's very on brand <laughs> from them, but it's also very Gucci as well, which yes. which I do like. So. So fair play to him, and I think I think Leeds again they they will cause people problems this season, but they do need to keep the big man's fit, and that's apparent for a few teams this this season. Bamford got an assist in this game, but I thought Aronson did really well in this one and Tyler Adams, and I'm gutted that no one's really acknowledging that Aronson is you know because he it's a goal for me, it's a goal for me. They tried the the strikers union and much that they tried to give it in. I, I, <laughs> yeah, free strikers. Fair play. But yeah, they were um, all impressed. They were all impressed. Yeah, Brendan Aronson. Um, Le- I don't really know what this stat means, Dan, but Leeds made the most pressing actions of the weekend. I don't know what counts as a pressing action, but I mean, it's definitely um, some a way in Leeds how Leeds play. And with five subs this year, do you think that's something that Leeds could ben- Leeds could benefit more of than other teams in the way they play? Because the players might not get as tired if you've been continuing to rotate them. Um. <sighs> Yes and no. I mean, in theory, five subs should help, but I don't think they've got the squad to make five subs and the quality still be at the level desired. So, yeah, no. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for Leeds, like you say, great win, especially after going 1-0 down. Um, to turn it, turn it around and uh, get the win was, was important for them. And like Cook said, I mean, we did mention it last week or maybe the week before. Um if Leeds are going to do anything this season or at least be secure and not be in, in the position they were last season, then they need to keep Patrick Bamford fit. It's as simple as that. They don't have anybody that can come in after him that's close to his type of player or as important as he is to the team. I mean, he is he is the focal point and he is the linchpin in terms of the hold-up play and, and, and leading the pressing actions from the front or whatever those even mean but um just been told that uh, Aronson has the most of them have most any pressing actions yeah 31 right well whatever they are congratulations are Brendan Aronson are you assuming it's just running at it, someone when they're on the ball it's and it's it. under pressure Brendan Aronson applied the most pressing actions receiving carrying or releasing the ball 31 times more than any Premier League player on match day one I'm still not sure on yeah, that means. No, yeah. no one knows what that means, but well done. Nor am I. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations, Brendan. We will update weekly on who has the most pressing actions. <laughs> We're not going about that. Cook's just promised he'll do that. But so you, um, you, ju- you did play really well. And, you did. And as one of my, my sons... And there was some uh, some after, should we say, Cook, after, uh, after full-time with Jesse Marsh and Bruno Lars, a little bit of beef, and uh, I think the quote from Jesse Marsh was, uh, tell your boyfriend... If he says he's got beef, that I'm a vegetarian and I ain't freaking scared of him. Okay, welcome back. And, of course, it's another 11 Um No fucking messing about. Straight in. You know the rules by now. Jim knows the rules. Cook knows the rules. And, it, obviously, it's always related to something that has been spoken about in the pod and something that we spoke about first. If he's still here from the beginning... And that is Bournemouth beating uh, wow. Aston Villa. First win of the season. But what was Bournemouth's last win in a Premier League season? Do either of you want to guess the team that they beat? Uh, Aston Villa 2-0. No. no. Cook, guess the club that they beat. It was the last game of the season in 2019-20. Hull, 1-0. No. Everton, 3-1. At Goodison. But what was... Yes, 
But what was the Bournemouth team that day? Jim, you can start. Can we have formation? Yeah, we'll just um, start. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, it was a classic 4-4-2. Yeah, no Lovely Eddie Howe 4-4-2. Yeah, Eddie out four four two Bournemouth. I'm thinking Billing. He didn't start. No, he came on. Oh, it's the last game of this. Am I playing Dossers? Mm, could be. Speaking of Dossers, Josh King. He started left wing. <laughs> um, Ramsdale. He did. He oh, started in there. He's not a Dosser. I, yeah. I like him as well. He's warm to me. Yeah, I, I like him. I used to think it was a see you next Tuesday. Mm. What's one of that? I mean, Jim? It's a can <laughs> Yeah, he has just gone. Cook? It is me. <laughs> it is me. Um, Steve Cook? Yes. Started at centre back. It should be a bit easier this one than the new, random Newcastle one we had last Jim? week. Probably should, yeah, but I mean, it doesn't mean we're going to get it. I know, yeah. Um, Ryan Fraser? Fraser? No. Didn't play. Really? Colin Wilson. He did up front. These people I'm guessing are still at the team though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the right era of Fraser and Wilson left at the end of the season. Makes me feel a bit better. Right era of Bournemouth. Put the post a couple of times for that. Um, gotta say the man who played for both teams in junior Stanislas. No. You're not doing very well there. I'm not. I never do. What's left? Right back. Steve Cook, centre back partner. Left back. Right mid, both centre mids, and Callum Wilson's strike partner. Jefferson Loma. Yes. Goal scorer at the weekend. Adam Smith. Adam Smith at right back. Has this now let him out? <laughs> Adam Smith at right back. Jefferson Loma in centre mid. Surprised he got the ball back. <laughs> we need centre back, right mid, centre mid, and striker, please, Cook. Um. The other centre mid is Dan Gosling. Yes. <laughs> How the fuck have you got that? Mine Palace. How do you remember David. he played for a Did Mine we say Palace. we needed left back or not? Yes. Um, Charlie Daniels. Charlie, somebody has got a screaming at City. No. No, it's not. Cook, back to you. Left back. Okay. No. We need a centre back. No. Yes. Got, oh. I think the oh, oh no, there's three players in this team that started at the weekend, and you've got one of them. Did they all play for Bournemouth? Yeah, yeah, all started for Bournemouth. Still there. Oh. Um, Solanke. Yes, up front with Callum Wilson. Get centre back, back left back, back, and right wing, please. Centre back, left back, right wing. Ooh, yeah, that is interesting. And the centre back still plays for Bournemouth now. He started at the weekend, that I believe. That's unfortunate because my guess was going to be Tyrone Mings. So, no. good guess though. Um, They've all got the same kind of names, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, I've got one. Pass. Jim? Francis. No. Don't know his other name. One of his names is Francis. Damien. Remember him played for Norwich? I know who you're thinking of. Yeah. What's his name? I don't know. Alright. Charlie Francis. Simon Francis. Oh, no. All just got generic names. Yeah, yeah they, they are. are. Regions. Yeah, they yeah, are. I was going to say, they are all default names. Oh, right, yeah. But no, nothing racist. Centre back, left back, right wing. Cook, back to you. Oh, someone who's right wing. Oh, God, this is difficult. Because there's no Stanislas, and I've already said Kingy. Johnson, uh, can I have some clothes? Johnson nationalities. Yeah. Um, 
Brilliant English, three of them. No, I'll give you some of the clues. The right winger. Davy Brooks. Yes. Oh, rip. I was going to say he's been ill recently. Left back was Spanish. Oh. Someone's phone's off. And the centre back, Jim, we thought was another guy. Rico. Rico. Sergio Rico. The centre back, we thought was another guy. Who is he? Was another guy. Closet bomb. Related to somebody we know, but it wasn't him. Lloyd Kelly. Lloyd Kelly. Assistant of the weekend. There we go. Cross the ball into Keith Moore. Ramsdale, Smith, Cook, no Kelly, Rico. No wonder they Rico, fucking got relegated, yeah? Brooks, Lerma, Gosling, King, Wilson, Solanke. You know why they went down? 3-1. Too British. Too British. Do you think? Probably, yeah. You need to get more Lermas in there. Don't leave. Okay, guys, we spoke about this weekend's games, and um, there's going to be some more games next weekend. Yeah? Oh, fuck, And really? probably the weekend after that, the football never fucking stops. Um, a big game is happening next weekend. Cook, Chelsea. I'm sure you will have your eyes peeled for this one. The first big game of the season, I would say. Um, Chelsea, who are 1-0 winners at Goodison, uh, take on Spurs, who are 4-1 winners at home to Southampton. Are you confident going into this one? Perfect records have got to go. Yes. Somebody's Bobo. Someone's O must go. Stan's right. Jim's also right. Not necessarily. They could draw. No, because it also goes. The 100% record goes. There's one out will go. Anyway, confident? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I said at the start of the pod, I don't fear these. These do not strike fear into me. Because I know their DNA and you can't change DNA stuff. Oh, fuck. So true. Well, but, can't change his spots. But, the pro- but the problem is, which which does have me conflicted, is they've got one of my favourite managers, Conte, and I know what he can do and I know how dangerous he is. And I think it will be a typical Spurs performance. I think Chelsea will have a lot of the ball. I think they will look to play on the counter. But I also think that there'll be a much improved Spurs from last year. Bear in mind me, I've only played one game each, but they went 1 0 down, beat Southampton 4 1. They should be beating Southampton. If they're as good as everyone thinks they are, they should be beating Southampton at home. It's that simple. Yeah, they scored four goals, Stan, with no Kane and no Son on the score sheet. Do you think on the weekend, the way both teams play and the strengths that they have, this could be a battle of the wing-backs, perhaps? Um, potentially. Um, it's probably going to be a case of attack versus defence, because I think Chelsea's best asset is the defence, and I think Spurs' best asset is, is the attack, weirdly. But like Cook said, it will be a case of... Chelsea probably having most of the possession with them being at home and having obviously the likes of Jorginho, etc. Who, who you know like na- like knocking the ball around. Um, Chelsea maybe lack a little bit of firepower and, and Spurs' defense for me is is the weakest part of their team. So probably a game of attacks and defenses and it's which ones, which ones come out on top. Uh, so it's a nice matchup, but um, I I probably predict a nil nil for this one. I think neither team will want to lose, and I think they'll probably cancel each other out. Screams under two and a half in my opinion. Yeah, it does. I agree. I, I think if you are going to put money on this game, under two and a half. I think whoever under scores two and a half draw. Possibly, but I feel I feel like I'm I'm leaning more towards whoever scores the first goal wins this game. Yeah, because you've got goals, a manager in Antonio Conte who is a specialist of this. In in terms of in the league, if he gets in front of you, you're not getting past him. 
because he's one of the best at, once he is in front of you of not letting you pass and it's the same thing in a football match that game against Liverpool last season that they ended up drawing could have definitely been three points to Tottenham like it could have been and it's fine margins like that and like I said if you I think that's the same for Chelsea I think if Chelsea go yeah. one up I think if Chelsea then drop 10 yards back and say to Spurs well come on then yeah yeah they might the struggle to break yeah, you yeah. down then yeah because again that's that's them doing it's not what Conte yeah, yeah. wants to do is it no it's not and and the thing is with Conte he'll, he'll understand as well at this point as will Tuchel that it is the second game of the season and the league isn't lost in, in this game of the season so I hope it's not almost like a a boxing match where they're scared to throw a punch almost yeah, in this one yeah. yeah I do think it won't be um, an all gun core kind of approach and like yeah, you say it's right. definitely not a must win game and a draw isn't a bad result for either team eh? but I think it'll be a nice qualifier for us there on the podcast and everyone watching at home or in the, in the stadium to see where these teams are up to because like you say Spurs an impressive win and Chelsea won but they played teams that we expect to be right down there, so yeah. we don't know yeah. how good they actually are. And um, I think it's going to be maybe we see Richarlison's debut on the weekend. Kulisevsky was so good yeah, on the weekend; he yeah. was probably Spurs' best player. So I doubt they drop Kulisevsky for this one. But Richarlison off the bench, I think, could be the most dangerous option out of either side. Maybe Stan. Loves yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he scored against Chelsea last season, and. Uh, yeah, Spurs' squad is good. We spoke about that last week. It's probably the best Spurs squad that's been around for a while in terms of depth. But, yeah, I do agree. I think if one team wins this clearly, it will be pretty detrimental for the side that loses and a clear message from the side that, that wins. Like If Chelsea win this 2 or 3 nil and it's comfortable, Spurs, you know, maybe we have overestimated them. But at the same time, I think if Spurs go to Chelsea and win 2 Two three nil like we've seen Conte do to teams where it's just calculated, sit back, kill them on the counter attack with two of arguably the most deadliest players in the league in Kane and Son. Then Chelsea might be worrying uh, again after that after being you know losing a game to the to the first rivals at home. So that's why I think it will be. In it. I don't think either team will want that to happen, and I, I can just see both managers. I think both managers right now would take a draw. So I think they'll yeah. they're, they're both more of that mindset than two managers that would probably want to push for push for the win like when maybe Klopp or Guardiola come up against each other. Would you agree, Cook, that maybe this could be a bigger game for Spurs in terms of what could happen if they do lose? Because um, like Stan was saying, the, we could learn a lot about the team that does get beat if there is a comfortable 2-3-0 um, win for either side. But in the way Chelsea are at now, they've had a lot of turnover in the summer, um, new owners... To Tuchel said after the weekend that they have to get a lot better they're still improving mm. um, this is a Spurs side who's had the Conte pre-season it was unchanged in the weekend from last season not much has changed though really so I think if Chelsea were to go and lose this thing you, you wouldn't count them out because Chelsea are naturally going to get much better over the course of the season but if Spurs were to lose to Chelsea who are still learning the training they've got new players in attack and new players in defence that could be pretty that could be a pretty shocking result really yeah, I mean, in in football, obviously things move move very quickly, and I th- I think a lot of pundits and a lot of people in in the media have, have written Chelsea a lot. Uh, with they've written us off a lot this summer due to uh, the way we've gone about things and obviously missing out on certain targets going to Barcelona, as we've spoken about on this pod. But I think again, I I said underestimators at at your peril because fifteen months ago we won the Champions League without a striker. And we went and bought a striker. It didn't work out, and now we're back 
we, we were worse as a team with Lukaku and now Lukaku's gone and we're addressing positions that have need needed to be addressed. We're add, we've added Sterling, we've added Koulibaly, we've added Cucurella, who can obviously play a variety of positions. Chelsea will sign three, maybe even four more players before the end of this window, I can I can guarantee it. And I just think that, und again, underestimate us at your peril because we're the only team who were comfortably in there other than City and Liverpool last year. And a lot of people are saying, well, Chelsea are looking like they might not even get in there. Well, what where, where's all this stock in Arsenal come from? Where, where, what have they shown you over the, the course of the years to, to make you think that? And like I said, 15 months ago, we won the European Cup. So we, we, we can step up in big games. It's never been about that. And like Jim said there, if we lose it, it's not the end of our season because we know how to bounce back from stuff like that. Whereas Spurs, like you rightfully said, Jim, I don't know what you think, Stan, but they are still learning on the job. Yeah, and Spurs' mentality, as we know, is, is is fragile. It always has been as a club in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. So, I mean, in the 90s, Keane's team talk to the United lads was basically lads at Spurs before they went out. So, it goes all the way back to then. And it's like I said to Jim last week when he said, could they be title challengers? They could in every single aspect of it, apart from the, the name of the club that just is a mental block for me in terms of saying that they are because I've seen great Spurs teams, you know, really solid, good teams under Pochettino. That, and even going back to Redknapp, that Bale team with Modric in it, good teams with good players in Van it. Der Vaart, just, yeah. yeah, Van der Vaart that just never did anything. Yeah. So, um, Top players as well. We'll see. Like, yeah, yeah that, that, that's what I mean. Good players have played for Spurs. I mean, Kane and Son. Is there a better duo in, in the league or, or world right. football at the moment? I don't know. Is there a better trio than Demian Kulisevsky? Well, well is there a better centre-back than Romero? Were you saying centre-back as well? Yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> even, even personality to go as far as, say, Ledley King. Because... Well, yeah. Yeah. They've, 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 Spurs have always had good players because they've always been there or thereabouts. I mean, they had Ginola in the 90s and, and, and players like this. Sheringham at one point. Or yeah, Teddy Sheringham. They had Berbatov and Keane. They've always had players that they've have always been, a that, stepping that stone, have been match they? winners, but they've always been that team that have finished fifth, sixth, seventh and have, uh, don't, just don't win trophies because they, you know, that mental block as a club. I mean, and the longer it gets, the longer it takes for them to win one, the bigger the moment is if they do get to a final. It's 14 so. years currently. Yeah, and, and, and you know, but fair play to them. You know, that first game, there, there was pressure on them. There's been a lot of talk about them. Conte's second season, he tends to do it then. And he's, he's buying players that are in his image and, and you know, the, the, the mentality and profile of players that he wants. And he came from behind uh, to, to win 4 1. So, yeah, a big, it would be a big statement for them to go to Stamford Bridge and win because they, they don't tend to win there, do they? Uh, it doesn't feel like they do anyway. So, it feels like quite a difficult ground for them to go to. I mean, the one that sticks out in my memory is the one that they couldn't lose for the Leicester title win the, uh, the Battle of the Bridge, yeah. And uh, did they go one nil up and the heads just went? So they're, they're again, typical Spurs, two nil up and the heads went. So. And Hazard for I'm gonna start playing now. Hey, Gary Cahill's got before that. Everyone forget that. Yeah, typical. <laughs> typical. Was it was it two two or three yeah, two? Two two, 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 yeah. two? Yeah, so Spurs had to win to keep it alive. Yeah. Before um, we wrap up, oh, sorry, Sanders. No, 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 no. Before no. we wrap up, any predictions? We'll, get, we'll do some predictions as we preview these big games for the season. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I think I think one nil to us. Like I said, whoever scores the first goal in this game, and I really wouldn't be surprised if it was a Jorginho penalty. <laughs> I really wouldn't uh, be surprised. It looked like the only way Chelsea were going to score. Still win it, Jorginho. It looked like the only way Chelsea were going to score at the weekend, so it um, could be. Jorginho has finished Chelsea's top scorer again this oh. season, maybe. And the Champions League? It's, oh, it's 
Is that what happened last time? Well, he should have got a Ballon d'Or, but we could do a whole <laughs> Was he top scorer when you won the Champions League? In the league, yeah. Oh, fuck. Exactly. History repeats itself. Well, I've already said it. I think it'll be nil-nil. I do. Sorry to be boring, but I think both teams, they just won't want to lose at this point of the season. I think, like you say, there'll be big talking points if either team lost. I don't think either manager or team wants that. So Yourself, Jim? I think Spurs will win. Oh, three One or two now. Three-way split. I, That's do, I do agree with the general consensus that it's going to be a low-scoring tight affair between two really good sides. You like three-all um, now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't know anything. Six, five, and a red card. <laughs> and two good guesses, don't say. I mean, what? I mean... <laughs> Where did you be, buy your hair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, be it. We will. There are some players, though, for either side, but this could be a bit of a tasty first time. So maybe we could see the season's first red card. I mean, Romero probably should have already seen it. <laughs> for his tackle obviously Richarlison allegedly could he obviously Richarlison's got a bit of a needle in every game he, plays in. Um, he does yeah but yeah should be a good one spicy okay listeners just as we're winding down it is the end of the podcast but it is also the time where I can tell you where to find us when we're not making these top podcasts so if you want to find us on Twitter and Instagram, use the handle at cookiepodcast1. That's at cookiepodcast, followed by the number one. We're available on Amazon, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Just search in. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Remember, give us a five-star review and pass the pod. It really helps. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. See you.